Hello, and welcome to the Bikes and Podcast, a podcast about bikes, but more about the people that ride them, the communities that they build, and the stories they create than conversations about the latest shock technology, wheel sizes, and how to improve your Strava time. Every two weeks, I interview people with a story to tell, an event to promote, or a cause they are passionate about. If you'd like to be on the podcast or have an idea for a story I should cover, please contact us. You can go to the bikesand.net website and click on contact in the navbar. My Twitter handle is at mybikesand, and my Instagram feed can be found at bikes.and. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bikes and Podcast and that you have a great ride. Hello and welcome to episode 14, Bikes and Trail Heroes. Like 7,227 other people at the last count, I follow the 303 Trail Monitor Facebook page. If you are not aware of this excellent site, it is where you can find out and post about the latest conditions about trails along Denver's Front Range plus other trail in riding intel like what to do if you get bitten by a rattlesnake miles from help. Good advice. It is called 303 Trail Monitor because that's the area code for Denver, although you can also find 720 in use, but that's not important right now. For those who can remember all the way back, and it seems like a long time ago, to episode two, Bikes and Community, I first heard about Rich Vicious Stolen Yeti on 303 Trail Monitor. Leaders to say, it is an excellent resource and I use it regularly. My Strava account tells me that I've ridden a little over 4,000 miles along the trails in Colorado and Utah in the last three years or so. It's not to say that I haven't worked on a few trail maintenance projects, but I must admit that I've taken these priceless treasures a bit for granted. Of course, these trails do not build themselves, and there are a number of magical people out there who have spent hours planning, digging, cutting a path through virgin scrub, getting to know the McLeod pick and shovel really well. On April the 20th, I was on 303 Trail, and I saw that someone called James Coverley had posted some pictures of a sign he had placed on one of the crown jewels of the trail system here, within the Buffalo Creek Trail system known as Little Scraggy. The sign sitting off to the side of what looks to be about a three out of five switchback reads, don't skid, skidding destroys the trail. This was like red rag to a bull for many of the red-blooded 303 trail members who wrote comments like, I give it five years before we have stoplights and cops enforcing speed limits out there and no fun allowed here. And then a whole debate about what actually causes stutter bumps ensued. My reaction was that of ambivalence, as I'm typically going too fast to read signs, just kidding, but it was the reaction of the owner of the 303 Trail Monitor page, James Herklutz, again, James, I apologize if I just murdered your last name, that piqued my interest. You see, it turns out that James Coverley is a bit of a legend, and if anyone has earned the right to post this sign, or any other for that matter, it is him. You see, it turns out that James has spent years working on our trails, and indeed works as part of COMBA, that's the Colorado Mountain Bike Association, to own and manage the entire trail system known as Buffalo Creek, along with many other people, I suspect. I reached out to James and asked him if he would be on the Bikes and Podcast 
to tell us about why he posted those signs and more information about what he does and what Comba does. And amazingly, he accepted. So, James, thank you and welcome to the podcast. And thank you very much for being the second person to accept an invitation to a complete stranger's basement. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> That's very cool. James and I are drinking uh, a little Mama's Yellow Pills. Uh, cheers, mate. Thanks for mm. coming. Certainly. Um, um, coming today. Uh, I'm just going to pour that. Hopefully you can hear that excellent Mama's Yellow Pills pouring into a nice glass uh, today. So, um, as I say, we've, uh, we've never met before, but the, uh, the story on 303 Trail Monitor was, was fascinating. Um, and uh, my guess is that you have been a little surprised by the reaction, both good and bad, um, to your posting of the no skidding signs. Uh, yes, indeed. We, uh, we've actually been reviewing some signs to post at Buffalo Creek with the U.S. Forest Service for the last several months. Uh, so people don't think that uh, just on our own, we decided to pick up and go post these signs. They were actually reviewed with the Forest Service prior to uh, us placing them, uh, two of the signs up on the little scraggy trail. So my goal in posting on the 303 Trail Monitor page was awareness. We just wanted people to be aware of the trail, kind of get the message out that the trail was getting torn up by skidding. Uh, so yeah, I expected maybe a few likes and a couple of comments uh, but I was nowhere prepared for the storm of controversy that <laughs> that two no skidding signs placed on a trail um, would would create. So that was uh, that was a little bit surprising to me that there was so many uh, comments, like you said, both for and against, and so much controversy and people infighting. And uh, so I provided a, one of my follow-up comments was to provide some background so people understood why the signs were there. Right, absolutely. Yes, you don't expect storm of controversy to follow the posting of a couple of signs on a trail. Uh, a couple of no skidding signs, no. It, it, seems, it <laughs> seems very odd. And, and tell us, what has happened since then? Uh, well, since then, there's we've gotten over uh, 200 likes on, on the... Uh, uh, the 303 Trail Monitor page on Facebook. Uh, there's the la at last check, there was approximately 60 comments, uh, both for and against, and a lot of sub comments and posters commenting on each other's comments. Um, but since then, we've noticed that it's also been cross posted to uh, mtbr.com, which is Mountain Bike Review. Uh, they have over 1 million subscribers, so it's the signs have now been seen around the world, and uh, lots of comments on MTBR as well. And in fact, the uh, the discussion seems to have broadened out into skidding practices in general and how to avoid them, um, and uh, even beyond that, into uh, mountain bike companies actually advertising with people, mountain bikers skidding on trails, advertising their new bikes. And, and there's now debates on, you know, that type of advertising not being good. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea that my post about these two no skidding signs would have gone worldwide and uh, it generated all these branch discussions at this time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the uh, rule of unintended consequences, I think, is, uh, seems to have happened here. I agree. Yeah. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you're involved in these trail systems in the first place? Certainly. Um, 
I've been mountain biking for a long time, more than 20 years uh, before it was even cool. Uh, I moved to Denver from Atlanta about 10 years ago. Uh, I was involved in the uh, mountain bike organization in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the Sorba Southern Off-Road Bicycle Association, where I was a, a, a trail crew leader and did a lot of trail work down there. So naturally, when I moved to Denver, uh, the first thing I did was look up the, the mountain bike organizations that were local here, and and I I joined Comba, the Colorado Mountain Bike Association. Um, did a lot of trail work. Uh, became a, for a couple of years, I was a ride leader, so I went and did beginner and social rides. Uh, I led those for Comba for a couple of years, and then. Uh, started participating heavily in the Buffalo Creek Trail system, where I was uh, participated on uh, trail building, where we built uh, two new trails there, the Blackjack Trail and also Raspberry Ridge, where t- which are two of the advanced trails in, in the um, Buffalo Creek system. Um, so I participated there and, and became a crew leader for Comba. And um, the... Last trail that we were able to get permission from the Forest Service to build, which required an EPA study and, you know, many years of planning, was the Little Scraggy Trail. Right. And it was built in three segments um, from the, the Kelsey Campground to, to Forest Service Road 550 and then the east segment to the top of the hill. And then finally last year we completed the west section a little scraggy so you can make about a 12 and a half mile loop out of the whole thing um, another gentleman named Keith Clark actually kicked off that effort about five years ago from Comba and I took over from him uh, last year to get that completed but I have spent um, I've spent well over a thousand hours on trail projects uh, many hundreds of hours leading crews uh, and now I'm a crew leader manager, so I've got, um, you know, four or five crews and a crew being between six and ten volunteers. This is all volunteer. Yep. I don't get paid for any of right. this. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a purely volunteer effort that requires uh, many hours of organization for each of the events yeah. that, w- that we go out and get these trails built and maintained. Well, um, as someone who's taken advantage of Buffalo Creek and many other trail systems around there, uh, a big thank you for, uh, from myself uh, for all of that work. Uh, I do say I have done some trail work, but it's out here in the Highlands Ranch area. Um, right. I need to uh, come up and, and swing in the cloud uh, up in uh, Buffalo Creek. Yeah, we would, uh, we would welcome uh, more volunteers. Right. You know, our work parties are anywhere from 10 to 50 people. Right. Uh, we do a couple of volunteer work parties at Buffalo Creek every month, you know, during the season. And, and Comba has other work parties at other locations as well. But, um, you know, I, I really would hope that more and more people, I mean, like you said, there's over 7,000 members just on the, the Facebook page and right. through three trail monitors. And if we could get 50 or 60 of those folks out to Buffalo Creek and volunteer to help build and maintain these trails, it would be wonderful. So I was going to save this to the end, but we may as well do this right now. How do people get in contact with Comba and you about volunteering? Uh, Well, the best way is to go to comba.org, C-O-M-B-A.org, which is the, the Colorado Mountain Bike Association's website. 
And there you can click on the events, projects, calendar, and it'll it'll show you everything that's going on, things that you can volunteer for. Uh, it's, we don't do just trail work parties. There's rides, beginning, beginner rides, social rides, parties, all kinds of things. We actually have the, the annual uh, members event party coming up on May 18th. Okay. And, and that's our uh, probably biggest event of the year. And that's where we get uh, current and new members to come out. And it's at a location in Denver. And, and we try to get, um, you know, three or 400 people out there. We also have many of the uh, bike vendors and equipment vendors and local bike shops come out and support the event. There's raffles and, and giveaways and um, there's uh, you know, free pizza and free beer. Awesome. So, yeah, that that, the, that sounds good. Yeah, the sign up tables, and this is where we really try to get people to come out and and see what we're all about, um, and and get them to volunteer and join the organization, and generally just participate in mountain biking more than just riding the trails. Yeah, uh, May eighteenth. May eighteenth, correct. At the Buffalo Creek Trailhead. No, no, this is at. Uh, I don't know the exact venue. It's but it's a venue in Denver. Okay. It, it's at a venue in Denver, and, and we'll have music and everything. Okay. Um, I will get that address from you uh, so I can post it on my website. And okay, so great. If you that listen would be to great. this podcast. Yeah, it's, you... it's on the Comba website, but definitely we would appreciate cross-posting on yeah. wherever we can get the word out. You bet. Um, so you heard it here, um, free beer, free pizza, but there's no such thing as free beer and pizza. You have to sign up to help on the trails as well. At least that's the plan. That's right. So let's go back to the uh, to the no skidding sign. Okay. Um, would you like to firstly tell people what your intention was when you posted that sign, and secondly, how you would like to see people actually ride that those sections with the big switchbacks, um, you know, in that sort of part of the world? Certainly. Yeah. So that that particular section of trail is about uh, three miles from the Colorado Trail connect intersection at the bottom up to the, the top of the hill. That's a three-mile section that was completed last year with the help of Tony Boone Trails, who's a professional trail building company that completed the trail um, using a design that we jointly collaborated on. Um, so the, the trail is mostly ridden in the downhill direction, but it's not a downhill trail. And, and that's the, the key difference. It is a bi-directional trail. Um, that, that's what we agreed on that would be built with the Forest Service, and so that's what we did. And as much as uh, people would like to uh, make a downhill flow trail out of it and hit the berms at top speed, mm-hmm. um, we actually designed the trail so people wouldn't do that. And we have some sections where you have to slow down because it's bi-directional. We don't want the uphill riders to get run over. Right. Um, but that said, uh, you can get going at speed. So uh, after the trail was operational for a month, we went out and kind of reviewed what was going on. Uh, we cleaned up a few sections that um, you know needed uh, you know needed a little bit of repair that uh, you know we hadn't planned for in the original design. But we we started noticing you know. Prior to where there's some some really high speed corners or maybe a blind corner or a, a section that you that you don't see coming up a, di- a tough section coming up that maybe you don't see right away, 
people were coming into those at too high a rate of speed. And then we could see there was 15, 20 foot sections that the trail was basically, you know, it, it was getting gouged. It was getting rutted from people skidding. Okay, now I know there was a lot of debate on stutter bumps and brake bumps being caused by skidding. Uh, so that some stutter bumps and brake bumps will occur regardless if they're skidding or not. Uh, but the skidding makes those 10 times as bad and it, it actually does create ruts and gouges in the trail. So when you looked at these sections of the trail, it looked like they had five years of use on them, even though they had only been open for a month. Now, that was exacerbated by so many people riding Scraggy Trail. Because when it was open, you'd go out there on the weekend and there was hundreds, literally hundreds of people riding the Scraggy Trail. And then some of those people are uh, daredevil fast. And, and, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because they can make it around the corners and down those sections without skidding. And then other people were just coming in too fast because they weren't familiar with the trail. And other people are sort of newbies and they weren't aware that skidding destroys the trail. So we looked at this and we spent many hours uh, on subsequent work parties repairing the damaged sections of the trails caused by skidding. So we, we talked to the Forest Service about it and said, well, what, thing, what can we do? To mitigate this problem on the trail so we're not spending a hundred hours every year trying to fix the the gouges in the trail uh, so we talked about maybe realigning some sections so they're a little bit more skid proof um, and, and that's one of the things we're still looking at we're looking at putting in a few more obstacles to slow people down uh, but one of the solutions that came out of our meetings was hey let's put up a couple of no skidding signs to, to one educate newbies that they shouldn't skid on the trail and two is a reminder for everyone else hey there's a section coming up that's prone to skidding and getting gouged uh, is a reminder to slow down a little bit and and take the the turns at a normal rate of speed yeah. so that's all we were trying to do is is get people to quit tearing up the trails so fast by skidding on them so we didn't have to spend so many hours fixing them we'd rather spend more hours building new trail yeah absolutely um well, well explained and i think for most people uh i, I think most people who would have uh, seen your post in, in the first time around will have just seen a man putting in a sign right um <laughs> and that would be bad <laughs> right but um i hope with that excellent uh description um and analysis um and helping people understand the thought that went into that and the reasons why you did it with right. the Forest Service, um, people will realize the, the reason why you did it and the, and the very necessary reason to put, put that in. That's correct. I mean, there's only, we put two signs in, in a three-mile section of trail. We don't plan on putting any more in anywhere in the Buffalo Creek system. Right. Uh, I know that the signs are very visible. You know, they're red and white with a picture of a guy skidding on them. Right. And I know some of the commenters were unhappy that uh, they felt that um, we impacted their vision of nature by putting these red and white signs up there that are highly visible. But uh, that's we wanted them to be highly visible because we needed to catch people's attention. Mm -hmm. um, I would say people going past those signs, we'll give them a quick glance. It'll, they'll, they'll be in their view for less than one second. Right. 
and they'll move on. So I, I'm not sure we're destroying nature here, and the Forest Service doesn't think so. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, a couple of episodes ago, I did uh, one episode on a mountain biker that had been attacked on North Table Mesa. Uh, I don't know if you remember seeing the stories about that. Um, but it's another example of we just have to learn that there's more and more people moving to this part of the world right. for the same reasons as we love living in this part of the world. Right. Uh, it is a beautiful place to live. and um, But with that privilege and more people uh, come more pressure on our trails and we have to do this sort of thing in order to maintain them um, if if we didn't it would get more and more crazy um, and that's just one of those um, one of those things absolutely trail etiquette is yeah. is really important and the, these are all multi-user trails right the, every trail in buffalo creek is open to hikers bikers and equestrians yeah. uh, so you know th- there's there's specific rules in place for who has the right of way and who's supposed to yield to who uh but if if generally if the if the people would just be nice to each other on the trail and a little bit more polite yes uh, and we'd have a lot less conflict yes we'll, we'll get onto this whole debate which i seems to come up in every single podcast which is a theory <laughs> that i have that nine out of ten people are pretty genuinely nice people uh it's the one one person who is that who is that person uh, that that uh, does need a little reminding about etiquette and, right. and being a good person. Well, excellent. So um, you work for Comba. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Comba is responsible for here in, in the state? Yes, uh, Comba is is um, as mentioned, Colorado Mountain Bike Association. Uh, we have over eleven hundred members. Um, we have a, an executive director, president, a board, very active board. <clears throat> we also have a trails committee with, uh, I think we're up to 18 people now on the trails committee. And each person on that trails committee is responsible for stewardship of an area of trails. So, for example, we have an individual responsible for trails in Jeffco. Um, uh, somebody responsible for trails in Clear Creek, myself responsible for for Buffalo Creek, mm-hmm. uh, Denver Mountain Parks, the, the state parks. So uh, that person is sort of the liaison between the governmental agencies and uh, the rest of the public getting stuff done, getting trails maintained, getting trails built. Um, Comba also actively pursues grants and, and tries to find funding to get these trails built because a, a lot of people think that the trails are built and paid for by whatever government agency manages that land. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is not correct. <laughs> that is not correct. You have some private trails like in Highlands Ranch that are built out of the homeowner's fees, just like, you know, the, the, you know, the golf course or anything else. And and those private trails are built with the private funding, but most public trails are built as public private partnerships. Um, So we get various grants and, uh, you know, funds through uh, whatever organizations like the GOCO, Mm -hmm. Great Outdoors Colorado provides a lot of the grant money. Um, the Forest Service will match a little bit. Um, Comba will match a little bit. And we'll get funding from various sources. And then the trails themselves are built 
by a combination of volunteers and paid trail workers where possible. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this, not just the trail building, but the maintenance of these trails is volunteer labor through various organizations such as COMBA. Right, yeah. Now, COMBA is part of IMBA, is that correct? Yes. um, COMBA is a chapter of IMBA, the International Mountain Bike Association. Um, IMBA has a lot of chapters, and um, COMBA has been a chapter... Uh, for about eight years, I believe. I don't know the exact date we became a chapter. but ah. Was it called something else before that? Uh, before we were a chapter of IMBA, COMBA was TCS, Trail Conservation Services. Okay. Uh, so, so we've got, if you see the COMBA trailer driving around, we've got, we pull a trailer that's full of a lot of tools. Right. Some of those tools in there are sold. They still have TCS imprinted on the handles, but that, that's really where it started. And were you involved in TCS at the time? Uh, no, no. I was not involved in TCS. Um, by the time I moved to, to Colorado and, and uh, joined the organization, it was already COMBA uh, in, its, in its first stages. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I will um, actually, my son and myself and my wife will be riding the Bailey Hundito coming up here. Um, we were up yep. there last weekend. Uh, ab- the trails are in gorgeous condition right now. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we really enjoyed riding up there. Not sure she's going to enjoy riding the Hundito for the first. Yes, time, it's a uh, pretty significant race, and and Comba uh, is one of the sponsors yeah, of that right. race, yeah, and, exactly. and and so they provide a lot of the volunteer folks for the checkpoints and and so forth. So, yeah, uh, yeah that that one as well as the Golden Giddy Up yeah, that, right. that's now going on is Comba is heavily participates in both those events. So. Um, what got you interested in building trails in the first place? It's I mean, something that's just become a big part of your life by the sounds of things. How did you get it started with it? It has. Well, when when I was a lot younger and lived in Georgia, I, I, you know, I got my first mountain bike, I think, from uh, Walmart. It was a $200 Huffy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I think a lot of us got our start there. But I, I started with there and started uh, doing mountain biking with some groups and got a better bike and... Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of went on from there, and and uh, I have two sons who both started mountain biking at an early age and started racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they really got into racing when uh, Norba was around, mm-hmm. and and they started doing the Norba races and some of the the local races in Atlanta area and then throughout the southeast, uh, and they got pretty good at it and you know got on the podium several times, nice. um, and. Uh, I actually was a manager of their race team for a couple years. Okay. But for some of the local races, you actually got points for maintaining trails. Mm. Okay, so so you get points for, it was a series race, you know, so eight or nine races. And you would get points, but you could get more points for doing trail maintenance, okay. how many hours Good you spent idea. on the trail. Yeah. So I got together with my sons, and we got out there, and we did some maintenance on the trails and got them a few more points. And they said, hey, this is pretty cool because I would help build a section of trail, and then later I would go and ride that section of trail, and I would think to myself, you know, hey, I, I remember when building this, and it was pretty cool to ride on it. And, and the volunteers actually get to make some decisions on, you know, do we go to the left side of this tree or the right side and things like that. And then as you ride it, uh, you know, you felt like you've kind of given back mm. and, and that, you know, you own part of that trail. And it was a pretty good feeling. So then I just got more and more heavily involved after that point. Right. And, 
um, until now, it's uh, you know almost a full time job. Yeah, absolutely. What do you do for a day job? Uh, well, I <laughs> I um, was working as a uh, engineering manager at uh -huh. Cisco, uh -huh. and I left that job about three years ago and had a couple of jobs since, and uh, so I I just kind of run my own uh, communications consulting business right now. Right. Um, not making a lot of money at it, but you know I've got flexible schedule to do lots totally. of other things. I'm insanely jealous. <laughs> um, so your boys, when they when they came to Colorado, were they uh, too old to get onto the Colorado high school cycling? Yeah, they circuit? both uh, they both graduated. My younger son graduated probably a month before we moved to Colorado. Right. Uh, so they were. There was no high school league yeah. in in Atlanta. In fact, I don't know if there was a high school league anywhere when they were racing. Oh, there is. Oh, you know, there is one. Oh yeah, now, yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely. I was really thrilled to see the the high schools actually have a high school mountain bike yeah, it's phenomenal. league. It's it, it is great. I yeah. think that's great news, and it and I hope it spreads to all the other states. Yeah. Um, but Eight, it, 18 states so far. 18 so far. That's excellent. That's yeah. excellent. And and I wish that we had it when. Uh, they were in high school, but but they didn't. But they were able to participate in the eighteen and under category at, yep. at some of the local races. So, yeah, you know, you know, there's a T-shirt you can buy that says Colorado High School Cycling League, and on the back it says, "Why didn't they have this when I was at high school?" Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That is an awesome shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we hear it so much, so often. I'm involved in that in the league uh, quite a lot. I'm on the board, so that's great. Uh, keep, keeps me busy, but. Uh, the stories that we hear about just kids on bikes, yep, uh, is is fantastic, and it's just great to see so many. Yeah, my so youngest son going. started racing when he was six. That's fantastic. That was his first race. So, yeah. are they riding now? Uh, they ride now, but they don't race. Right, they don't race anymore. Uh, they've got they're busy with other things in life. Yeah, sure. But they both uh, they both still ride bikes, and I ride with them. It's yeah. great. That's one of the greatest things about getting kids on bikes is it's a sport that they maintain. For right. most people for the rest of their lives. That's right. Uh, which is just, just great. Thank you so much for coming here, James, to explain the sign controversy. Certainly. <laughs> both of us are sitting here smiling a little. <laughs> how, how a sign could become that controversial. It, yes. I hope they stay there and no one puts a couple of bullet holes through them anytime <laughs> soon. Which seems to be the way for any sign in that part of the world. Um, but I really appreciate you coming by um, and, and talking to us. Certainly. Thanks for having me on the show, Ben. You're welcome. And uh, for the podcast listeners, thanks very much for listening to this episode. And uh, I hope you have a great ride.